and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, Okie religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm your host, Ryan Key. And today, we're talking about Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, with our special guest, our very first special guest, Ryan Mendez. He's here. In the first two episodes of this podcast, you were name-dropped probably more than any other person, and now you're here in the flesh. Why was I name-dropped so much? I don't know, man. I mean... We work together a lot, so yeah. you're always on my mind. Oh, okay. Also, you know, I wanted to have you come on for this episode because in our discussions of Star Wars films, Last Jedi was a, a talking point for you. You know, the way you felt about the movie and the way yes. you felt about it in the eyes of the critics and fans' reactions and things like that. So I thought it would be good to have you on for this one. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Stoked to be here. Right on. So even though this is episode two and likely anyone who's listening to this listened to episode one, Nonetheless, you should tell these people who the fuck you are. True. Who are you? Who even are you? Well, uh, my name is Ryan Mendez. I played lead guitar in the band Yellow Card, your favorite band, Adam. And uh, we have... Uh, Got a tattoo on my boner. <laughs> Ooh, did that hurt? Maybe. <laughs> uh, just been... Uh, Ryan and I have been friends a long time. Obviously played music together. Uh, still doing music together. Uh, you and I have known each other for quite a while as well, and um, I'm happy to be here. I love Star Wars. I've loved Star Wars my entire life. I have strong opinions about Star Wars. Um, probably not the same types of opinions that apparently a lot of people have these days. Well, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do here with this is is do our best to be putting like positive energy into the world. Good. Which Good. is one of the reasons I said like it would be cool to have you talk about this movie with us because obviously this one was so polarizing with the fan base. And that's not to say that, you know, I don't have my issues with it as a as a person who loves film in general and you know i'll take it apart and put it back together but you know you and i have just talked about all that and we'll get into it in the episode about how yep. we feel about all the uh people who need to tell us all how they feel oh man all the time they strong love, feelings in all directions love yes to tell people how they feel all right well let's get into it let's start with as we always do when we're doing a film the opening crawl ryan mendez tell your friend over there ryan key to do the crawl hey uh bill yes do the crawl all right here we go the First Order reigns. Having decimated the Peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds towards the rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Dun, dun, dun. That's a good-ass crawl. Great job. Hey, can I say something funny and obnoxious? Sure. Being the pedantic grammar OCD motherfucker that I am <laughs> and vocabulary enthusiast, did you know <laughs> that decimated technically means reduced by 10%? Wow, that's tr that makes—I didn't know that, but that totally tracks. Wait, I don't get it. The word decimated. Wait, I totally get it. I was just joking. I knew you were joking. I think it can also mean reduced to 10% down from, you know. That would make that would make way more sense when when talking about the first order and the resistance. So right. let's go with that. Let's go with that. We'll pretend Ryan Johnson knew that. Okay. I like your complaint though. <laughs> filed. Complaint filed. Not a gripe, you know, not a gripe. Nope, not a gripe. All right. Uh let's uh let's move on to stolen plans. The deets. What have you done with those plans?
All right, Star Wars The Last Jedi, released December 15th, 2017, directed by Ryan Johnson, written by Ryan Johnson. Did you know that he had not seen The Force Awakens when he finished, or at least like finished, I would assume, the first kind of draft of The Last Jedi? He just went off the script alone. That's dope. I didn't know that until five minutes ago. But, you know, like he didn't, he, I mean, there was no way that it influenced his his choices for the characters. He was going off of gut, like what, what he got, not, not the visuals, not the way they looked, not the way they interacted with each other as actors. He was just taking characters off the page and, and writing them. I'm a little conflicted about that piece of information. Why is that? Just because I feel like on one hand, there's definitely something to be said for going off of gut instinct and just like not having preconceptions. But on the other hand, with a universe and a mythology that is as fluid and long running as this, I feel like there is something to be said for at least trying to maintain some continuity. And uh, I don't know if I should say continuity. I should say not just doing it as if the last film didn't happen. Obviously, he wasn't treating it that way, but there is something to be said for him taking into account what everyone just saw. Right. Well, you have to wonder, though, if it had anything to do with scheduling, to be honest. You know, all along, he was going to be directing the second film. Right. The original plan was three different directors, no matter what. Right. So if he had this timeline, he had to be ready to go start directing, you know, pre-production and all that stuff that goes into making these $10 billion movies. Um, he had to just write it because he had to be ready to start getting ready for production. So I doubt he was like, I'm going to wait all the way till this yeah. movie comes out and not fucking watch it. You know, they, I, I can't imagine that was the deal, but. Who knows inside the mind of Ryan Johnson? Supposedly, they all started writing kind of together right out of the gate, pretty much. If he had started shooting this movie, having not seen The Force Awakens, that would be one thing. But I think with everybody just, you know, in front of their laptops writing, yeah, they're all kind of in the same headspace at that point. Right? Yeah. And Kathleen Kennedy and everybody, they were all meeting. So, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll get into some Kathleen Kennedy inside baseball information I have later mm -hmm. on. But baseball? Adam likes to call the bullet points inside baseball, you know. Fair enough. Um, all right, moving on. Moving on. But we should also say Ryan Johnson, um, writer and director of Brick, The Brothers Bloom, Looper. I loved Looper. So good. Damn, we could talk about that movie too. Uh, anyway, cast. Returning, of course, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Anthony Daniels, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Lapita Nyong'o as well, Andy Serkis, Domino Gleeson, and Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, and uh, Jonas Suotamo? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Trying. We're trying so hard. New to this film, Kelly Marie Tran and Benicio Del Toro. Love Benicio. So a totally unknown and a veteran actor that we know from many roles in many films. I had this thing when the trailer came out for that movie and Luke says it's time for the Jedi to end. Close your eyes at that part and tell me it's not Benicio Del Toro's voice. I saw the trailer and without knowing anything about that was like, oh man, Benicio Del Toro is going to be in this movie just based on the sound of his voice. I thought, because it didn't show Luke. It was like a shadow of him in the cave or in the tree, leaving the tree. Yeah. Well, you now know it's the tree, but you didn't then. And he just says it's time for the Jedi to end. It sounds like Benicio. I'm almost thinking like it was like a line he had recorded yeah. or something from the film and they just like used it. But then, you know, his character went a different way or something. I don't know. Quick side note related to that. Uh, when I first saw The Force Awakens, I thought when Kylo Ren first spoke, you know, obviously in his helmet, not having, not, not being able to see who he was or anything, I thought he was uh, Javier Bardem from No Country for oh. Old Men, etc. It, it sounded like him to me and not knowing anything about it, which obviously we all know that 
we were not supposed to know anything about uh, right. said movie. Um, I knew nothing, and I thought it was him, and I was so pumped that he was going to be the yeah. villain. And then I, obviously, I, I, I love Adam Driver, so I was fine with it. But like, how about dude, the fact that all three of us didn't know it was Adam Driver until he took his mask off in The Force Awakens? I love that for us. I didn't know anything. Yeah. yeah. I saw zero. Ryan didn't even see the preview. Correct. But he just walked into the theater, saw the movie, yep. cold. Yep. So sick. Fucking amazing. Yeah. Good for us. We did mention the fact that we have 75% of uh, the no spoiler pact on this That's podcast true. right now. Here we are. Three quarter portions. <laughs> Three quarter portions. Moving on. Stolen plans. Uh, score, of course, again by John Williams. He's pretty good at his job. He's all right. He does okay. On um, the last Newfound Glory tour, for those of you out there that haven't been to a Newfound Glory show in a long time, I'm, I've been playing guitar with them, so I, I'm always hanging out with them on the road. And the intro music, like the set changeover music they were using for their movie cover tour that we just did, on the second leg, it was just only John Williams pieces. And sick. it was so sick every night to get hyped up for the show with like Indiana Jones and Fuck yeah. and Star Wars and whatever else playing. I was going to say about him doing the score for Last Jedi's opinion, but I think I remember reading something in the force awakens days about him feeling that the scoring was a little rushed for that movie, just along the production timeline and stuff like that. And I think because he, you know, he was writing all these new themes for, you know, Finn's theme and Ray's theme and all these, all these new themes he was coming up with for the new trilogy. I think he really settled into his uh, flow. Like he was, he was on top of his game for sure. Not, not that the force awakens score isn't, unbelievable everything he does is but i think the score is something that really stands out to me in the last jedi it's fucking great love me some john williams and i love that they added in the uh i guess when when you have the digital copy the bonus one of the bonus features is the score only version oh i didn't know that that's sick i'm gonna uh that's a good watch you guys have finished this i'm gonna go watch that right now it's the best thing to put on in the background while you're that sounds awesome you're doing something else that needs your attention love that runtime on this film two hours and 32 minutes Long one. 15 minutes longer than The Force Awakens? I wish it was longer. I wish they were all longer. I wish every movie was longer, for the most part. Yeah. Rated PG-13, again, for sequences of sci-fi, action, and violence. Third Star Wars film ever to receive that, following the trend of Revenge of the Sith and The Force Awakens. All the others were PG. Only. Uh, This one shot both on digital and 35mm film. IMAX digitally, I think, only on this one. Estimated $317 million budget. Holy shit. Grossed $220 million opening weekend in the U.S. Just short of The Force Awakens 247. Failure. Just short. Total failure. They didn't even make their budget back in the first weekend? What? (laughs) Dude, it's funny. I said just short of it. It's $27 million short. Just the $27 million short. It sounds just (laughs) short when you put it in those terms, but if you really step back, it's like... Uh, what? I was thinking back about when uh, when Waterworld came out starring Kevin Costner. Yeah, that wasn't was it the most expensive? Exactly, yes. And that's what made me think that. I think the I, it was nowhere near this much. Right. And that was such a big deal then. And this was just like, eh, just the 300 and, yeah. what was it, 47, 27? 17. 17. What came out first, Waterworld or Guns N' Roses estranged video? Oh, man. That's a Which good trivia Which was the most question. expensive music video to date and also a flop. Uh, well, Waterworld was, I think, 93. Three. I mean, I was working at a movie theater when it came out, so it was definitely no. It would have been ninety four. Estranged may have been ninety three because that album cycle was like two years. Yes, I want to say Estranged was first based on that. Also, you know what? Controversial opinion. I like Waterworld. That's just me. Sorry, guys. It's hard not to like Costner. 
it's just a fun, immersive, suspend your disbelief movie. They would make that shit again now. That's all. Watch, they'll reboot that thing. I yeah. Estrange was first, ninety three. Yeah. Waterworld was ninety five. Ninety five. Yes. Good. That makes sense. Um, where are we here? Uh, Six hundred and twenty million total in the U.S. Reportedly, grossed over one point three billion worldwide. Again, short of the Force Awakens, two billion. That's a lot, though. Seven hundred mil. Yeah. That's a pretty big discrepancy. Again, a shit ton of money, but... Do you think that that's, you know, the, the critical stuff that we'll talk about later? That there weren't as many repeat viewings? I... Has to be. Yeah, it's got... Yeah. Like, pe- people weren't going back for their third and fourth sitting, like I and we all did for The Force Awakens. Right. Or more. Unless you're fucking weird like me and you're so pissed off that you go back and watch it a third time just to take notes to gripe. Awesome. It was a dark time, guys. <laughs> oh, man. It's all right. We'll talk about it. Let's see, 7.1 on IMDb, 85 on Metacritic, 91 on Rotten Tomatoes with a 43% audience score. Blows my mind. Clear indication, though, of how divisive this thing is. Like, right, right out of the gate. I mean, within a day, right? It was at 91 or higher, right? On opening day? It was 93, I think, Can, yeah. is, at one point. Is there another example of a movie that has that high of a critic score and that low of, yeah, of I'm an sure audience we score? Could, I'm sure we could find one. That is so drastic. I mean, The Rise of Skywalker is the opposite. It's the opposite. Also but, blows my mind. But the thing about this one is that being under 50 is like jarring because that means it's, it, you know, it's significant, almost 10% enough people didn't like it versus it. You know, the critic reviews of Rise of Skywalker are understandable to me because of the weight that film holds with having to end everything. It's right down the middle. It's 50-50. Right. You either thought... You know, it was too much fan service and phoned in, or you thought it was just epic, awesome, nonstop Star Wars action and whatever. But this was like less than half of the audience was stoked on the movie, but all of the critics were stoked on it. So we'll get into that. Well, let's get into it right now. Let's. Because that wraps up the stolen plans. Let's talk about our initial reactions and then get into some, some I love you, I knows, some favorite stuff. So what do you guys think? Where did you see it, actually? Because you were... Uh... Still in Nashville and L.A. respectively at that point, right? Yes, I was living in Nashville still. You didn't see it in Florida? Holidays? December 15th, 2017. Do I, am I, do I deserve to have a podcast about Star Wars where I'm talking about this film and not remember? Can't if remember I don't where. remember where I was the first time I saw it. Oh, I saw it on tour in Europe, I think. No, that was Rogue One. With you, but, yes. th- but this movie, in 17, I was, I was touring with Normandy. Oh, that's right. You were. I did a little like soul. My first yes. little yep. go out on my own thing was in Europe. And I can't remember if I had seen it before that tour. I'd have to I'd have to look at the dates. But I know one of the viewings of that film I did see somewhere in Europe. Interesting. I saw it uh, actually the same place. I saw all three of the new ones, which was a theater in Goleta, California, where I grew up uh, with a bunch of my closest friends. Uh, it's definitely in it's now a dated theater, yeah. but they just started serving beer and wine. So can't go wrong. Yeah. I um, like a good vintage movie theater wine experience. Yeah. But I, you do want to see, you want to see The Last Jedi like in Dolby, you know? Yes. Not a big fan of the IMAX anymore for some reason. Hmm. But the new, the Dolby experience at AMC is yeah. like just mind blowing. Right. So What about yourself, Adam? I saw it, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at a theater in St. Louis, an older theater that was remodeled a few years ago this is the best way to see it actually Uh, it's a theater called the esquire so it's an old theater it's only got a couple screens and rather than doing the stadium seating thing you know 15 20 years ago 
they just they rode the the old school theater thing for a long time and then updated with reclining seats big new you know dolby systems and everything so the screen's still kind of up high but you can recline to watch it rather than like all the new the newer ones that got um stadium like 20 years ago now you recline and the screen's down and it's kind of fucking goofy you're like looking down your face you know i've never thought about that but yes that's definitely a thing totally it's so much better if it's at like the old school just like a, a little bit of a slight pitch you're just leaned up at it it's fucking awesome pretty sure i saw it there but what we should actually talk about because it's the three of us again let's talk about who did and who didn't watch the trailer because my experience was completely different i went all in on trailer viewing my trailer viewing was the same as it was for The Force Awakens. I waited until I saw the f- official trailer in a theater. I don't remember what film it was attached to when I saw it for the first time. Um, but I, I still stayed away from online production notes and stories and news and stuff. And I, I just saw the trailer for the first time in the theater. So following the, in my opinion, massive success of going in completely cold to The Force Awakens, I decided on my own to do that for The Last Jedi, and also for The Rise of Skywalker. So going into both of these last two films, I saw and knew literally nothing. I knew the title, and that's it. I consciously avoided movies that I knew had trailers before it. Mm -hmm. I went out of my way to tell my friends not to say anything. If there was something on like a before, like a YouTube video or something, I I would close my eyes, I would plug my ears. I was very, very diligent. I knew nothing for any of them. That's awesome, dude. I don't know if I'd be able to pull that off just knowing myself, but I can imagine how unreal it was to watch the movie with just not knowing what was, what was happening. Like, cause the trailers, I don't think star Wars movies are as guilty of the trailer thing where you get done with the trailer and you're like, Oh, I just saw saw the the movie. Yeah. Right. But I still, you know, you still get a vibe and an aesthetic and like maybe the worlds, you know, that are going to in the systems that are going to be in the story, you know, the, the kind of like new, adventures that are going on you get it you get the themes and the vibes so to go in with that and like i'm trying to imagine not having seen anything from crate like the red under the white salt like the red nothing earth under the that's what i'm saying yeah. so when you saw that first time yeah. in the theater it must have been like holy it was totally shit. worth it it was very very yeah. very worth it in my so, opinion cool dude i fucked myself up what'd you do i blew it i didn't do what you guys what you smart people did <laughs> i totally fucking flipped i was like all right i'm in I'm into this new era, so I now I can just watch the trailer nine times in a row every day for a week, which is pretty much what I did. Were you reading news stories and stuff? I was still trying to avoid all that shit. I didn't want to get too deep into that internet conversation, that version of the movie that happens before the movie. But right. The expectation version. Right. But I still I still got too deep into that because I at the time was working with two well, two of the dudes that are in the Star Wars text thread that Ryan Key that I brought you into. So we were always talking about it, always theorizing. And the one dude, Bobby, is like, he's fully into theorizing and has some great fucking ideas. So I could not, you know, he'd pull me aside of work and be like, dude, have you read this? Right. Do you know about this? And I was like, I don't know. Do I want to know? He's like, no, just check this out. Yeah. So my expectations, my like potential storylines that I started to build up in my head of like who Snoke could be and all this different kind of shit, it all ended up to me being cooler than what I actually saw on screen. For sure. Right. Which is exactly why it's tough to do that. Yeah. And I think the whole world is doing shit like that and it's it's fucking everything up, I think. Yeah, that has to be one of the core issues with reactions to these films. Oh, I have I have a couple things to say specifically about that based yeah. on this for sure. So all that being said, 
What did you guys think? What was your initial takeaway walking out of the theater? I think for me, because and and uh, when we get into favorites from the film, I think the final sequence in the film is I, I left the theater very satisfied. I'll leave it at that. Word. I left the theater feeling hopeful for what was coming next in the story, feeling like like Ryan Johnson had created a story, like a Star Wars story that really computed to me. I mean, there were so many new elements and new tools that he created in the story to move it along. And it all worked for me other than the things that I don't like about it. But right. <laughs> for the most part, I mean, isn't that all these movies? But um, yeah, I, I, I've left feeling pretty blown away, but I think it's because of that final sequence, mostly that final battle sequence. Ryan Mendez, how about you? I came away liking it, honestly. Uh, there were a couple of small complaints I had that we can obviously get into. They weren't major enough to affect my overall enjoyment of the movie in general. Um, I Very similar to, to Ryan, uh, the last sequence of the film was gorgeous, first of all. Whoever, whoever's responsible for the art design of that white and red scene with the, yeah. just everything about the look of that was just mind-blowing. It was absolutely phenomenal. Some of the coolest visuals, I think, of any Star Wars movie that has ever been made, honestly, in my opinion. And I, th- I thought it was great. You know what I was, I just don't understand how people, I don't know, well, I, we, I can pause that. But I just, I, I was satisfied. I thought it was great. Uh, I had a couple of small complaints. It didn't uh, affect my enjoyment of the movie. Word. Go time. I, so I left the theater just like I did after every Star Wars movie that I had seen prior. Happy that I had seen new Star Wars. I enjoyed it for sure. But there were things that I was, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't bummed yet, but I was like, I don't know about some of these things. And I was kind of talking to my wife a little bit, you know, on the way home, you know, I kind of voiced some things with her. And then I went down the rabbit hole. I laid in bed until 3am reading reviews as they were coming out, like viewer reviews, like all the stuff that I was kind of off about seeing kind of confirmation of a handful of those things. And I don't know, man, I didn't feel good after it. Again, I did enjoy it. And there were some things that I really loved specifically. And I went, you know, Googling those as well. Like I actually Googled is Ryan Johnson vegan? Cause there's like, there's some nice, like kind of like animal welfare shit in this movie that made me feel pretty good. But at the same time, I was like, I Googled some other things that I don't want to say out loud. We don't need to know what kind of porn you watch, dude. <laughs> what does the ice coyotes dick look like? <laughs> Enter. Yeah backslash our ice coyote dicks right ice coyote bestiality enter can i touch on that what something you just said for a second adam the ice coyote dick you can't touch it you'll cut yeah, that, well no we'll touch on that probably a lot more later but um the thing is i think that what you just described in terms of seeing the movie it's on your mind you go home and then you go down the rabbit hole of looking at reviews and reactions etc it's funny because now everyone can and does do that all the time and i actually think that that's almost like the counterpoint to not not seeing anything beforehand. I also don't ever go look up anything afterwards. You're, you're fucking way stronger than me, man. Well, I think the thing is, is like, it's really, really easy to read a bunch of stuff and have it affect your opinion, regardless of what your opinion was beforehand, even if you actually think it or not. And for me, I don't want, I don't want that. I want to preserve my own reaction unspoiled by anyone else. And maybe after I've seen it, like, I don't know, maybe in a year, if I've seen it a bunch of times, then maybe I'll kind of like. Do you think that 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 only works one way, though? And the only reason I suggest that is because I don't think that that's ever happened to me where 
I've left a film feeling like I didn't like it, where I've, I've left a film and been like, which isn't the case here, but just in general, leaving a movie being like, oh, that was not what I was hoping it was going to be. And then I see the reviews are all just like unbelievable and people are loving it. I don't find myself ever going like, was it good? Maybe it's good. Right. But the other way around all the time. So like if I love it and I come out and I'm not as strong as you and I'm reading negative reviews, I'm like, wait, maybe it wasn't good. That's all the more reason to yeah, do man. what I'm saying. It only happen. It only works one way though. You know what I'm saying? It only, it only will sway you to the negative. It will, I don't think that positive reviews will sway you to the positive. So you've I'm never, saying. you've never seen a movie, been disappointed, read a bunch of positive reviews and then gone and seen it again. And then maybe kind of come around a little I, bit. There? I'd be, I would struggle to find a film that I genuinely didn't enjoy that I watched later and then would say, Oh yeah, this is, this is fucking amazing. This is yeah. a mind blowing film. Whereas I'll leave a movie thinking it was mind blowing, but then realizing everyone is shitting all over it. And I'm like, am I not smart? Do I? <laughs> no, I, I think that's exactly why I, <laughs> that's exactly why I'm saying this is because I think it's really easy for that to happen, Agreed. especially these days. And so I just don't even do it. And I, I trust me, I get the, I totally get why, like I very much think, oh man, I just could see what people are saying. Like you want to, it's in yeah. your head, you know, yeah. but I have to especially consciously nowadays, tell me. with the access you have to everyone's. Right opinion this may be the only star wars film that i have come to like more after reading more people's takes on it learning more about it like i actually went through a period where i didn't even want to watch behind the scenes stuff at all i didn't want to demystify star wars for myself anymore but this my opinion of this was actually changed by doing more of that so watching the behind the scenes and seeing ryan johnson going through the whole experience the whole like journey of creating this film gave me more respect for it and I think I like it more now. So the similarities in the last Jedi and empire strikes back as far as the middle chapters, completely different styles of filmmaking from the films that, that preceded them, you know, the people writing and directing were coming at it from a very different perspective and point of view than the director before them, the writer before them. I think you're, you're living in a similar world to that where he, this was just sort of like a more, complex filmmaking process for him because of what he wanted to do with with his star wars movie right you know and you have to dig in a little bit i think to take that apart and that's not to say that what jj abrams did with the force awakens and the rise of skywalker is not groundbreaking or not innovative it, it's just different you know and i i mean correct me if i'm wrong i just think ryan johnson attempted to make a film that maybe had a little bit more to peel back than you're used to seeing in a Star Wars film. And I think that happened in the eighties with, with empire as well. I mean, if you read about the reaction to that film, when it came out, it was kind of like, you know, think about those scenes. They're long. They're like really conversational. There's not near as much action in empire as there is in a new hope. And so you with empire, you, there's a lot to peel back to get to the core of good and evil in that movie and stuff. So I don't know. I just think that's part of what was going on with this and why you might have come to like it more because you were able to peel back some of those layers. So I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think for me, it's more that time, getting used to things, getting over shit, being happy with episode nine, seeing Ryan Johnson's journey and just being like, damn, I, I can't be bummed because this dude's a fan just like us. And he made something cool ultimately, even though there are these things that I don't like. And all that's to say that it's not specifically like the layers that I saw that helped me understand more. It's like the layers just help me get over the stuff that is unchangeable that I don't right. like. Right. Why don't we talk about the stuff that you did like? Yeah. 
Let's do that. So here we go. I love you. I know. All right. So should I say my favorite shit first or do you guys want to go? Should I redeem my bummerness? Yeah. I, I think you should try to dig and find the stuff that worked for you. Search your feelings. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You were born to be here. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of little shit that I really liked. It was really clever. That makes it obvious again that Ryan Johnson is a fan and really knows his stuff. I love that the I've got a bad feeling about this line is said by BB-8. Yeah. And you don't know that, and you know, we don't know that, but you right. find it out. That little shit like that is really cool. Like you can tell that, that the dude is deep into Star Wars um, fandom. There are a bunch of scenes, a, a few scenes that really like get to me on an emotional level like The Force Awakens did. And it's pretty much, I think it's all the Kylo Ren and Rey interactions. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because that's later in the movie and you guys are probably going to talk about some of the same stuff. But it's mainly that because I think despite all the hate about the other stuff and the hate for them specifically, I think that relationship and those, that character development between the two and the two individually is like the heart of this whole trilogy. Agreed. Their characters are what propel the story. I mean, yep. it's awesome that we have sort of the reimagining of the triumvirate, you know, with Finn and Poe as well. But I mean, the story of, of Ray and Kylo Ren are, are what are at the core of this. So I, and I think Going back to when we talked a little bit about Ryan Johnson writing the script preemptively, you know, before seeing the film, he was basing his instinct for that off of the Abrams script, you know? Yeah. And so I think he was able to pick up early on, like, okay, this is what's going to drive the story through to the end. So I'm going to make it the forefront of, of my film. Yeah. So let's talk specifically about, about favorite scenes. And I guess I'll do mine first. So Ray and Kylo Ren versus the Praetorian Guards lobster face and all those guys so that throne room battle post snoke's death is fucking awesome yeah it's it's it's, unreal i I was gonna use that exact word it's star wars porn despite never mind i won't step on gripes i have gripes with that even though i love that scene so much it doesn't just look cool like a fucking kung fu movie it also has some like really amazing moments that I, i think are like kung fu influenced as well the interaction between kylo and ray like when she tosses the saber to Kylo and he ignites it through the one's fucking eye. So yep, good. Yep. I was going to, I mean, you know, if you want to break it down farther into like specific moments in those scenes, I definitely was going to bring two moments from that scene up. One, the mic drop lightsaber move. Shit. Yeah. That Ray pulls. And then the, the throw, you know, the, the saber throw ignited through the face of the guard. I mean, both, both of those specific moments were just like every hair on your body stands up. You Agreed. Know? And it's like, it's not just cool, it's like clever shit. It's clever choreographing because it's like the kind of Jackie Chan shit that you would expect out of a Jedi, you know? Yeah, I, I can't imagine the, I mean, you can see some of it if you go and watch behind the scenes stuff and, you know, how, how movies are made. Not just this movie, but any movie that has combat sequence like that, but this the training that they yeah. had to go through as, as actors to pull that choreography off, I mean... It's next level, dude. Yeah. That many moving parts, like, you know, the amount of people they were fighting in the scene, who knows how much of that's camera trick and how much of it's, like, practically rehearsed beginning to end, you right. know. But either way, just right. the physical demand that I had to have put on them. Just to touch on something you said a second ago, Adam, about um, the the interaction between Ray and Kylo in that scene specifically, aside from all the awesome Kung Fu shit, but just, like, the two of them together. Think about it, at that point, that's, what, about 
five-sixths of the way through that movie. So at this point, we've seen five-ish hours of buildup of yeah. the two of them in various circumstances. And this is like kind of a mini payoff of them like, okay, after all of this, you know, obviously it's not the end of the trilogy, but it's still the end of the second movie. So at that point, you're about two-thirds of the way in. And to actually finally see them start interacting in this manner, I feel like it was a good release. Oh, you know? it was a huge payoff. Yeah. And that's why I think at the core of this discussion about this polarizing film, is it, is it a good movie or not? It is. It was polarizing because it was different, and I've already said this, but Empire, which is argued to be you know the greatest, was super polarizing when it came out for the same reasons of just using different techniques and different tools to tell the story. Right. And the payoff of that scene is like, that's why I love Star Wars. That's why I watch Star Wars. Seeing the, the stories develop between the characters is the most important thing. Yeah. It's more important than the action. And then to throw the action on top of it in that scene was just freaking epic. Another uh, example, while we're on fight scenes, I actually love that Ray and Luke fight. It's brief, but they fight. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's more satisfying, I think, or just like more intriguing, I guess, than the idea of Kylo Ren and Luke fighting. Because you've got this teacher student kind of like emotional battle really more than anything. And like, you see the dark side kind of come out in Ray, even though she's not thinking dark side is fucking it's rising up in her. Right. And the cool part about that as well is that at that point in time, neither Luke nor Ray have any idea like what the hell is going right. on. Like Ray doesn't know who she is. Luke doesn't know who she is. Like this is super new unexplored territory. And it's like, he's supposed to train her and she's supposed to get trained, but like he doesn't want to, but there's clearly like, she's obviously strong with the force, but it's not, I don't know. It's, it's not like Luke and Yoda at the end of like long training sessions right. where it's like, clearly the boundaries are set. Clearly it's like, you know, master student. It's just, it's very, just kind of all over the place. Ambiguous. Yeah, very ambiguous. And so that, I think that adds a lot to that fight that you're talking And you about. have to think about the, like the, the nuanced storytelling there where Ryan Johnson used the concept of Luke disconnecting himself from the Force. Otherwise, don't you think he probably would have known what we all know now? Right. Yes. That, that she was a descendant of Palpatine, right? So he didn't know any of that because for however long now, he hasn't been tapped in. And that's one of my favorite things about his arc and his role in this film was, in my opinion, how well that was written. How, how many, like, you know, loose ends or, yeah, but how could that happen are solved by that one storytelling technique, you know, or that one idea. You know, he's, he's not plugged into the Matrix, right. so to speak. So he doesn't know what's going on. Like you said earlier, layers. Yeah. Oh, lastly on that, I love when she finally, like, bests Luke and he falls back and he catches himself with the Force so he doesn't yeah. hit the ground. So good. <laughs> Subtle little new Force powers. Not that that's new, but... We've never seen it used that way, so yeah. really fun. What else on battles? Uh, the crate battle sequence. I mean, like, the look of it, the setup for it, the look of, like, the dudes in the trenches and that what looks like snow at first. We find out it's salt and the, the red, like, sort of a devil's food cake <laughs> underside of it, yeah. you know? Yeah. But the red doesn't, I don't know, it's, it's a rich tone that doesn't seem cheesy. Like, it's, like, edgy red. Because yeah, red can be cheesy. Yeah. Texture. Right. Yeah. No, I thought it was... One of the most gorgeous things yes. in any any Star Wars film. 100%. If not the most. Yeah, it's, a, it's sequence. way up there with the most amazing visuals. From sequences. an art direction yes. standpoint, yep. I think sure. it has not been, I mean, it's over now, so Ran it wasn't bested, I don't think. Random aside from that, for me, one of the only other things that actually came close to it, even though it wasn't a battle scene, it was short, was the opening sequence of Rogue One. 
visually, yeah. go back and rewatch that. It's stunning. It's really, really mellow. It's not really a fight, but like the cinematography of that, the shots and the tone and like the, the color grading of it is yeah. mind blowing. That whole, the coloring in that movie yes, is amazing. Sure. All that stuff they shot probably, I, I would have to look this up, but probably in Iceland. You got to think like when they're on her home planet, you know, when she's a right. little kid, like that's sorry that's to, sorry to solid, solid yeah. tangent for sure. Yep. But yeah, the, I mean, I knew we were going to line up pretty much a hundred percent on pulling out our favorite scenes it's hard for us not to i mean the good stuff is the good stuff right but the crate battle sequence as i said earlier like i think my memory of leaving the film was like whatever had happened up to that point kind of was like oh there was a movie but then there was this thing there was this finale yeah and everything about it it was so epic dude and shout out to the concept artist who's clearly a science nerd who ripped off the look of the large hedron collider for the big cannon <laughs> the battering ram thing straight up it looks exactly right like right it. right miniaturized death star tech so sick going back to kylo and ray because i'm a full-blown raylo i'm just all about this shit their interaction in the hut ray's in the hut kylo ren's in star destroyer or whatever when their hands touch in that moment yep. it's heavy dude like that's yep. also um something new sort of like a voiceover kind of flashback vibe the way ryan johnson approached that i thought was cool but then Luke comes in and fucking blows the whole thing open. It's great because you're like so connected right there emotionally. You're feeling it. It's like so sincere. And then Luke Isn't comes in. the moment in. where there's that really awesome moment of comedy where she says something about him putting on a shirt or something right. like that? She, that's, one of, that's one of their like force connected scenes. Yeah. Oh, it's not that, that, not one, that same one. Okay. Yeah. No. I just. That, yeah. Is there a cowl or something you could put on? Yeah. Yes. 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 He probably hit the gym. <laughs> probably like three days a week. Yeah. Speaking of like how you're connected. As a viewer in that scene, I also wanted to like to bring up that scene because in keeping with what I was talking about earlier, how I think a lot of story was explained by Luke not being connected to the force. Well, at this point, he's tapping back in. Right. I mean, he's like that scene is after he's gone back up to kind of the the prayer spot, you know, where he takes her for her lessons. He's already gone up there and connected with Leia before the hut scene. With Kylo and Rey. To me, in a, from a storytelling standpoint, that scene was there to show he's hooking back up. He's plugging back in. Right. And then they're going through that scene because you could, you could sit there and be like, well, how did he know to come down there and blow up the hut and stop them from connecting when it makes perfect sense that he's just to plug back in. So as soon as he's let himself connect with the force again, he can sense everything that's happening around him. So he, he knows exactly what's going and it's on. Ba- and it's going to happen intensely and fast. Yes. He knows exactly what's going on in, in her little stone hut. I, I loved that. How could he not be like with that much power, that presence on the Island? How could he not be reconnected? You know? Right. Yep. And we later find out Snoke connecting those two. There's just streams are fucking crossing and he's right in the middle of that shit. You know, he's, <laughs> Even if he didn't want to be reconnected, I feel like he would yeah. have been. I think the force connection thing was a. I think some people argue that it was like overused going into the rise of Skywalker. What the force skyping? Yeah, force skyping. Force time call. <laughs> force force time. time. Nice, nice, nice. Maybe you know, maybe maybe it, it could be argued, but at this point in the Last Jedi, I don't, I don't think that was up for debate yet. I agree, and I think it was just such a cool way to move the story along. It was yeah. a cool new ability that we hadn't seen before and i, lo- well, I, I uh, thought it was a very cool technique and, and you know according cool. to some people because we hadn't seen it before that means that it's it's wrong oh it can't happen can't happen it's you not, can't do it no no we haven't seen that before in the force so how, how why can you do that now how, how come you can couldn't do it before dude who, whoever says that is not the fan that they claim they are because if you go back correct there's a new force power in every movie that's a great observation and good point sticking with uh Raylo, 
sorry, going back when they first have that connection and Kylo Ren's like, you're not doing this. It would kill you. Yeah. He's genuinely interested and in, in intrigued. Like what the fuck's going on here? You know, it's a little clue early on that there's something bigger. And that it's a new ability. Yeah. You know, that it doesn't have to have been used before. Right. Yep. So Kylo Ren and Ray's post Praetorian guard battle interaction. So they slice up all these fucking lobster dudes and you're thinking like, okay, they're together. Like I was like so interested and so pumped. Like, dude, the villain already turned halfway through these three movies. Like what's going to happen now? Holy shit. Right. But then he fucking doubles down on his, yeah, on was, his dark side shit. It was believable. Yeah. It was totally believable in that moment. Like, wow, what is going to happen now? You have to ask yourself too, do you, are you bummed? Because it would have been a lot more interesting, in my opinion, going forward if he had turned right there. Yeah. What happens then? Yeah, you know? I was a little bummed because I was, I guess I would say that I thought Snoke seemed compelling in The Force Awakens in the sense that I was like, who's this fucking guy? Where has he been? Right. What's his deal? And then they're just going to kill him. I was like, well, he's not just dead. Like Marvel no Comics is going to tell you where he came from. Marvel Comics? Yeah, if you choose to take the time to read it, basically there, there's going to be a book. That's cool. Giving just, you the origins. No, and that's rad. I just, at that moment, you were saying, like, the yeah. idea of, yeah. you know, the villain turning. I'm like, okay, well, so Kylo's turned now, right? Snoke's dead. Well, wait, hold on a second. Like, we didn't learn. Yeah, that, that's, I'm just going right. through my my reactions at the time. Right. Super rad, but at the same time, I was like, Snoke, there's no way Snoke's dead. Like, he's coming back from this. Like, th- this isn't, no way. My rationalization for that in the moment, though, and, and in the following days after seeing it, you know, was I felt that for sure as well as far as, wow, he's just dead and we don't know anything. But at the same time, I've already seen, I've already seen that. Yeah. I've, I've already seen like the super weathered Sith Lord, the overlord controlling everything. And I already know that story between the Emperor and Vader. I don't necessarily need to see it drawn out anymore between Snoke and Kylo. Agreed with that. My only thought was based on his age and weatheredness, it's like, well, then he had to have been around during the events of the of the previous trilogies. And I want to know, like, is he someone we know about and he's now different? Right. Where was he during episodes four or five and six, et cetera? Like, I cared more about knowing that kind of stuff than I did about seeing him play out to the rest of the trilogy. Dude, that that was actually one of the things that I got so deep into theorizing about. It's like all at once. When they killed him, I was like, damn, that was badass. That kill, that flick of the finger mm-hmm. with the lightsaber, so pumped. But then I was like, well, fuck, who is this dude? Because <laughs> I was thinking like one one of my hypotheses was that he was like the first Jedi yeah, ever or something like that. That may have been my friend Bobby that said that first and I tried to claim it. But <laughs> either way, something like that would have been sick. Like you said, he's been around forever. So all that shit, all that rabbit hole kind of just set me up. For a little bit of disappointment, but ultimately it doesn't matter because the story's not about that dude, just like Ryan Key said in episode one here. Also, quick little um, bit of fanboy disappointment. I really love Andy Serkis a lot. Yeah. So that was, I was like, oh man, no more Andy. All right. That dude's a goddamn genius. He's so awesome. So going back to the end of this battle, at the end of this fucking epic fight scene where these two enemies take on this bigger enemy and you're thinking shit's totally going to maybe turn like we just talked about in this exchange right here is maybe my favorite shit in the whole movie. Kylo says to Ray, it's very reminiscent of Vader's appeal to Luke at the end of return of the Jedi, but she doesn't just say no. She doesn't just with conviction say, no, I, I won't turn as powerful as that is. 
Ray's reaction is more pure devastation. She starts to emotionally break down. You could see it in her face. Absolutely. She thought in that moment, just like all of us, that he had turned and then this. And she's just like fucking heartbroken. And Daisy Ridley, of course, convincing all of us 100% with the performance, just fucking tears. Also, no way she didn't consider it for at least a second. Even right, if, yeah. even, even for a split second. Yeah, because it's, no it's in way. her. It's absolutely yeah. in her. There's no way that she didn't spend at least a small amount of time in that moment considering his offer, for real. Yeah. You're going to have to forgive me because I was wrong. The uh, Star Wars Age of Resistance Supreme Leader Snoke comics are already out. So you can go. Wow. They, and they came out quite a while ago. They're on my list, but uh, they came out last year in September. Sick. So you can kind of, I think it's pretty deep dive from, from what I've, the, like teasers I've read about it. Interesting. So and going back to this, Ray, you know, she responds. She's like, don't do this. Right. She calls him Ben. You know, please don't go this way. Yeah, so heavy. And then. He responds, which is like frustration, like with that dark fucking frustration, like, no, you're still holding on. He's fucking yelling at her. You know, it's almost like marriage story style. Like he gets <laughs> so mad and frustrated that instead of like reasoning with her, he comes with the fucking jab of the knife, you know, like you want to know who your parents are, you know, you want to know the truth and then drops that shit on her. And it's like the heaviest shit. He played such a good brat. Oh, hell yeah. Throughout it. Yeah. But a brat that in my opinion wasn't. Like, he wasn't, like, annoying. He just did a really good job at showing you how how untrained and conflicted and not in control of really anything he was. Right. You know? Yeah. Could have been annoying. I think Adam Driver is phenomenal. I agree. Fucking awesome. So, <clears throat> favorite scenes. Ray and Kylo Ren's battle in Snoke's chamber, including that Snoke kill, badass. Yep. Ray and Kylo Ren's post-battle interaction, immediately following that. Earlier in the film... Ray and Kylo Ren touching hands through the force in Ray's cave. Luke blowing the fucking top off of it. Ray and Luke's fight after the hand touch right there in the rain. We didn't mention the rain. That was fucking awesome. And the crate battle sequence. Anything else? That had to be fun to shoot on that island in the middle of the night, freezing cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anything else? Did I miss anything? I had a favorite moment from a scene that we haven't talked about. I think it was in the... It might have been the second flashback scene where um, where they're talking about when Luke went in to confront Kylo when he was training him still. Yeah. I think it's the second one, but it's the one where basically Kylo is telling Rey that Luke came in to kill him. Right. Because Luke was saying it at first and it was like, oh, I, you know, he was he's kind of downplaying it, right? Yep. Whichever one of the two it was where Kylo woke up, looked up, and he was more surprised slash betrayed that like quick split second moment was like gut wrenching for me. Yeah. He just really, he did a great job at portraying like this betrayal slash fear slash, I don't know, th that moment was amazing. Like Adam Driver obviously is great. And, and it was just an awesome moment of just that quick thing where Luke is just sitting there and then he's, Kylo's just waking up seeing this for like a half a second. And it's just, I thought it was really heavy. Would be cool to see, uh, a final trilogy prequel series so we can know what exactly Snoke had done all up in his head. The shit that Luke could hear kind of force echoing to him, you know, just how dark he had gotten. Give me all of it. I'll take it all. Yep. All right. So what are your favorites officially? Let's call favorites. I have to go with the final battle sequence. I mean, it's hard to put it into one scene. I mean, I would kind of go with like the whole thing. Like, as soon as Rose and Finn come out of the cruiser and like, they're like, okay, they're, they're coming. From then on, it's just... It's more Star Wars porn. So good. So I got I'm going to go with Crate for sure. 
Ryan Mendez. It's tough for me to choose between that or the Raylo scene in the throne room, honestly. Two totally different vibes, but like, it's almost like the crate scene is is a little more classic Star Wars in terms of like the battle and like, you know, the whole holding everything off and obviously like the last effort and everything, but done in such a gorgeous modern way kind of yeah. made it just seem like more than just like, I don't know, I mean, action scenes, it can be a dime a dozen and this was definitely not that. So it's difficult for me to pick, but those would be my two if, if I had to choose. Pick one. We got to oh take a fucking okay. hard stance here. Pick one. All right. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking, um, the, all right. The visual nerd in me is going to take the last scene. Well, you know, the thing about that scene too, is if you remember one of the things in the force awakens, I think that people spoke up about was, um, the final approach of the fighters kind of going down the trench. And it was like, we've oh, come on. Like it's the, well, de- people it's the said, death star. Again. People said the whole movie was sure. just, well, a lot of it was, but yes. that didn't bother me, but either didn't way, like, either. The, you know, so it, I agree with you that the crate scene was just like, it was completely it was new. new yes. It was like this whole same idea, same vibe. This is it. This is our last hope. Right. But, it was just a completely different kind of battle, and it was totally, you know, it was, it was killer. That killer. combined with Luke and everything that he pulled off, which was mind-blowing. Yeah. You going to tell us your favorite scene? My favorite scene, I'm going with the fucking Raylo scene, dude, because I'm an emo. Yeah. That exchange where Kylo says, you're nothing, you came from nothing, that shit's so heavy. None of the three of us bought I that. Your parents are nothing, right? I mean, yeah, I was just going to ask you, Adam, did you believe him when he said that? Because I didn't believe him for a second. Um, I was on the fence. Or is it just the, the way question he... is, did you believe that he believed it? Yeah, that's the thing. That's like, a different question. Because yes. from a story standpoint, 100 percent. No. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, of course, that's not the real answer. But to be fair, what Adam's saying is I, I get it. It was super heavy and it yeah. was gnarly. And it, again, de- delivered in a wonderful way. by A great actor. Yeah. Great shit. Again, like I'm answering this one in the same way that I answered the Force Awakens one. Like as an objective lover of film, it's these two characters and their performances that got me the most, you know? Right. They were, without a doubt, if you enjoy the movie and you enjoy their characters, if you're not someone who just kind of writes the whole thing off from the beginning, you know, they were the highlight of this film. Absolutely. They were the highlight of the whole trilogy because they had to be because they were the story. But I just mean... This, the storytelling that Ryan Johnson used through their characters is, is the brightest spot in The Last Jedi. Did you just say the brightest spot on purpose based on that article? No. It's a great article. I pinned it to my fucking Twitter account because I love it. I did not. Go read it. I will. At Adam the Skull. I will. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. So favorites. Stance is taken. Favorite quotes. Let's get into like some specific lines because they're okay. We might have some disagreements here because there's some lines that people love, some of the humor that people love that I wasn't pumped on. We've talked about this a little bit. So we'll find out what you guys think. We've got on the list here, let the past die. Kill it if you have to. It's the only way to become what you're meant to be. Kylo Ren. Fucking hell of a line. And then again, that post-battle interaction, that whole exchange. I'm going to read this because we just, we got to hear the whole thing because it's fucking awesome. Kylo says... You want to know the truth about your parents? Or have you always known? Just hidden it away. You know the truth. Say it. It's like he's taunting her. He says, say it. She's sobbing, tears streaming down her face. And she says, They were nobody. They were filthy junk traders. Who sold you off for drinking money. The dead. 
in the pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. But not to me. Join me. He's got that long, excruciating pause, and his chin's quivering. And he says, Please. It's unbelievable. It's so good, and it's some of the best dialogue in the film. Yeah. Everything about that is classic Star Wars. You have no place in this story. You're nothing. Join me. That is, that's Star Wars dialogue. Yeah. I love another Raylo exchange when Ray says, I thought I'd find answers here. I was wrong. I've never felt so alone. Kylo Ren says, you're not alone. And she says, neither are you. That moment was so, like, that's great storytelling. That's us all wondering, like, what is going to happen between the two of them? Are they falling in love? Are they going to unite and, like, take on whatever they're going to take on? I mean, at some point, did you not think, is Ray going to turn to the dark side? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd have to imagine they'd bring her back in the end. But could it not have been a storytelling tool for her to go that way for a minute? You never knew. But those types of interactions happened frequently in this film and, and kept it alive for me kept my interest peaked in their story arc yeah and so yeah I, I love that exchange i love her delivery of that it reminded me honestly of luke's dagobah kind of thing i think he he went there looking for answers and he felt like he really left because he hadn't he didn't find them right away you know and that's that skywalker blood yeah in him and i guess i should say the dark side of the skywalker blood that he had and we now know the palpatine blood that you know she has in, in her genetic makeup makes her like want the answers right now i gotta have it right now yeah that's the dark side get it now get it quick yeah so i think there was a cool parallel her journey and his in their in their training and stuff yeah that deep loneliness that deep that deep loneliness and hopelessness is just like luke hanging with one fucking hand you know off the bottom yeah. of uh that antenna in investment yeah cloud city begging for ben to speak to him and fucking nothing great heavy shit Dude, by the way, you just like repeating that line. I got goosebumps from like my fucking hair follicles to my toenails. <laughs> like my whole body is just like so good. Any more quotes? Mendez, you got anything? I do actually. There's one that's just like, it was great. It was, um, I wish I could put my fist through this whole lousy, beautiful town. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're a dick. And that's why I'm we sorry. brought you here. I'm sorry. You're endangering the mission. You shouldn't have come. I shouldn't have come. Uh, oh, fucking well played. <laughs> uh, um, the reality is uh, that... The sentiment of that whole part is great, though. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, We're almost there, man. <laughs> I know, I know. We're all itching okay. to gripe. Okay, 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 okay. But again, and I'll say it again, my gripes that I had with this movie do, did not take away from my enjoyment. Agreed. So, Do you have a real favorite quote? I do, but unfortunately it's exactly the same quote that Adam said. Well, um, they, that's why it's a favorite. It's not really unfortunate at all, actually. It just shows that great minds think alike, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just the exchange. Um, obviously, when he said his, you know, her parents are, are nothing, obviously didn't believe him, but the energy between them during that exchange was, it's kind of what the whole film was about. I mean, it is what the whole film was about. Obviously. I, I think the best yeah. line in those lines is, you have no place in this story. Right. Yeah. I and mean, that was just it's gnarly. Yeah. Poetic. It's yes. Great. For sure. It's such a meta line, but it doesn't matter. Right. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fucking perfect. Great shit. Okay, so we're unanimous on that. We're all getting tattoos of those lines on our chests with a black cracked 
emo heart in the middle of it. My chest piece is going to be centered around the words, I've never felt more alone. <laughs> Emo's back, dudes. We're doing it. I was about to say it. I was about to say it. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> Fucking A. No, we're not. <laughs> this was a good idea to do this podcast. Uh, good fucking idea. Absolutely. All right. Let's do some little just like favorite moments before we get on to some uh, bullshit. There's some cool visual shit, like little things. Like I love Poe's like fucking e-break stop when he comes in after that first yep. battle in the hangar. Just how about the shot in that scene of his of his like visor with like all the cannons firing and stuff reflecting in the visor. Yeah. Got that like orangeness yeah. to it. One of the for me, one of the definitely one of the sickest shots was when um, the jump to light speed through the freaking Star Destroyer at the end. Yeah, dude. Like, the, visually and just the impact of it, it, it was the it dude. Was the sound so design, gnarly. the sound yes. design in yes. that scene. Yep. Every time I watch, like I, I want to watch that film in like the Dolby theater experience yeah. again somehow for that one moment. The way they put the, the visuals together with the sound and just kind of everything sucked out and just, I, I don't know. That was definitely one of my favorite shots yeah. for sure. That was fucking full on like Christopher Nolan style. Absolutely. What else? Little shit. I, I think one of my favorite moments is um, from the battle scene at the end when Kylo Ren is just more yes more so good yeah. dude loved it some good humor also by the way when hucks i forget the exact line but something about like don't, don't you think he's had enough do like you, do you think do we've you, got him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like like, yeah whatever his line was do you think we've yeah. got him yeah that's good yeah. well executed that's, humor. that I was think. good star wars humor, yes yeah. for sure speaking of hucks the, the force choke dude yeah the supreme leader is dead long live the supreme leader it's epic that was fucking tight i think like just not moments but like some more visual shit. The dreadnought, like weapons engineers, like at the console, their helmets, like some of that costume design is really fucking awesome. I think Snoke actually looks badass. Agreed. His gold robe and shit, he looks like classy, but scary, but his presence is commanding and like yes. just intimidating. His energy. Did sure. you hear that they actually like, they rendered that whole thing and they were like, it's not quite enough. He's not like intimidating enough. So they made him like almost like a foot taller. In the render. Mm. Made him just bigger. Huh. He's giant in that scene. Yeah. He's like he fucking seven feet tall or something. Yeah. That's badass. I love, um, I mean, Adam Driver. Yep. All of his shit's brilliant. I love that moment of hesitation when he won't pull the trigger on Leia. Yes. That was a moment where I really felt it. Yep. And one of the biggest uh, storyline developments for him, without a doubt. For sure. Chewie feeling guilty about eating the porg and the deciding not <laughs> yeah. to. I love that. Um, yes, that Being was a vegan dude. This is kind of like... I, th I think it's pretty widely known, but the Porgs is a fun fact that Ryan Johnson was very adamant about using as many practical effects as he possibly could. He talks about it a lot. You can read quotes of his just endless different quotes from different interviews talking about not abusing CGI. But I guess the island was it off the coast of Ireland, right? Yeah, it's somewhere up there. There were like puffins or, or all over the island and it was going to be impossible for them to like frame by frame get them all out. I mean, you could see them in the wide shots. There's white birds flying around everywhere. And so he was just like, well, we need to make some kind of creature that makes makes it compute that there are these bird-like things all over the island. And that's how the Porgs were born. So much better than just like a merchandise opportunity. Exactly. It wasn't that. And and how many? Like a practical reason. That they how were many like gripes or like just people bitching about the Porgs? All of them. And it's like, 
Every grave. You, that's such a good point, Adam, because it wasn't. He wasn't like, let's make a cute little bird and Kathleen Kennedy will be stoked on on my choice because she'll sell thousands and thousands of little stuffed animal bird creatures. That wasn't it at all. It was a choice he had to make because there can't be puffins in a Star Wars movie. As awesome as they are. Yeah. There's a little moment where Luke visits the Falcon on the island, which is really nice. There's, I, I feel like there's an extended scene or deleted scene where there's a little more there because i was kind of disappointed by there being less talk of han we lost that moment that got deleted where luke actually mourned him you know right so that was nice to it's just you know all the nostalgia of luke walking into the falcon why did they delete that i i know i agree that was a bit of a bit of a swing and a miss a missed opportunity i guess i should Absolutely. say to, to really let us all kind of grieve with luke when he found that out and it was such a passing moment wait a minute where's han yeah we get like a sad moan from Chewie, from Chewie yeah. and that's it yeah the yeah, end that's not because the falcon scene becomes about him and r2 yeah right not not about the loss of han i mean luke never really dealt with that at all that we saw on screen on screen yeah and then r2 plays the leo hologram to try to like you know coax him into coming back yeah that's the one time i actually teared up during this movie it really fucking got me and the dialogue, I don't love, you know, I'm just saying like, that's a cheap move. Yeah. Uh, it's the right line. It's just not the right actual words. That's my thought. It's the right idea. It's just, he wouldn't have actually yeah. said that. But it was great nonetheless. Another um, like stunning visual, you know, close your eyes and see it. Favorite of mine is when Kylo and the troopers are entering the base on crate. It's like a fully bird's eye camera shot yeah and they're walking in and you can see like the texture of the ground and there's like shoots of the salt coming in Shit, yeah right. and it's just perfectly designed even though it's not you know i mean it looks random but it was definitely not random to like make that shot look like a painting their shadows stretching across it as they walked in it was just a really really killer shot yeah that's on my list as well there was a lot of those in this movie the shot of all the walkers and Kylo's ship above them, yes. just hovering yes. with the sunlight coming through. From like the ground it, eye level. Oh, yes, dude. So awesome. Some of the stuff in this film is the best Star Wars ever made. If you're telling me that you can't watch this movie as a fan of Star Wars and enjoy a bunch of sort of reimagined, like twice as big as they used to be, Imperial Walkers and an all black, you know, wings up Imperial cruiser just hovering, menacing, like, I don't understand. Why you can't just enjoy it? Yeah. Did we get the all the various scenes and moments that you were talking about, Adam? Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on about like little details, but uh, we talked about a lot of them. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. So before we get into our official gripes, let's talk about the sort of seemingly unanimous problems with this movie on the hater side and how we, the three of us, probably disagree with those things, and that's not what bothered us. Right. So what we try to do here is we sort of first... From a certain point of view, we're going to just talk about other people's criticism of it, not necessarily bringing up your own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Kind of talk about the general reaction, the, the public's perception. Sure. And then we will move into our own sort of, if I have to give my own criticism, this right. is what it will be. But where do you start with The Last Jedi critical review? Because there's two, you know, it's a two-pronged attack of the critics and the audience. I think the biggest one early on in the film will be Luke's refusal to train Ray and his like sort of defeated emo stance. This is actually aligned with Mark Hamill's take on the character as well. Interestingly enough, most people are just super bummed that they didn't get another Dagobah training montage 
You know, the best part about people is if they did get another Dagobah training montage, they'd be complaining that they got another Dagobah training montage. Fucking exactly. They would say, well, it was just another Dagobah. Just same shit. And Force Awakens is just a new hope again. Dagobah, we already got that. Why are they just rehashing old shit? You know, that's what well, they would have said. I think the interesting thing here, though, is to sort of unpack the 91%. Right. And look at what it was about, you know, these top critics all reviewing the film as well as they did and and thinking like well do i personally agree with all those good things do i disagree with them you know i mean it's 91 percent on rotten tomatoes and this isn't about putting all your faith in rotten tomatoes it's just a place you can go and read people who do it for a living it does reflect something valid that's what i'm saying these these people make a living reviewing films is what they studied to do and i'm sure they're not all quite as skilled as as others but nonetheless they're counted as critical reviews so what was it about it that made all of the what's the overwhelming consensus of the critics to be honest never really gone in and read them all i haven't read any of that's them. what i'm saying so i don't really know you know what what was it that the critics were were so blown away by it's not just flipping all expectations on their heads it's not just that it's the sort of out of the box for for the skywalker saga storytelling that ryan johnson committed to fucking went for it you know and I don't disagree with like the the vast majority of it. I think Luke being an old cranky motherfucker that doesn't want to do it anymore is really smart and interesting and way cooler than just another Rocky film just going into another training montage. You're, you're saying what some people would call has him being like a emo brat, right? So that's a great that's a great example of a critic versus audience right disagreement on this film. That is one thing that critics overwhelmingly agree on as being a great thing for the film that moved the story forward. Whereas fans wanted Luke to be a Jedi wielding a lightsaber and training her as Yoda trained him. Right. Fans wanted it to be predictable. Right. And I right. think, well, I think that the critic reviews come in so high, the most broad brush stroke you can give it is that they are just giving it praise for not rehashing. They're giving it praise for being outside the box and making a choice like that, not necessarily being... And I'm telling you, it's, this is the same thing that happened with Empire Strikes Back. Fans were just like, what did I just sit through? What, what was that? The long jail cell scenes on Cloud City, those kinds of, you know what I'm saying? Because right. you came from this like heroes and princesses action, nonstop balls to the wall in A New Hope. Once they left Mos Eisley, it was nonstop. And I think that happened here. So that's all I'm saying. There's the force projection scenes, or like these long moments of reflection and what does all this mean as opposed to blasting the panels on the blast doors, you know what I mean? And right. making our escape from start to finish of the film. So I think that's really where the high critic rating came from was like the chances he took. But you can imagine that inherently fans are not going to be stoked on taking chances, just as Adam brought up if you're in a band, which none of us would know anything about, making a record that is like pushing the limits. Critics might say, wow, look at this band has taken a chance on something and they've stepped outside of their comfort zone, which automatically means fans are going to say, Man, it's they've changed. But if you go make the record the fans want, they're just going to say it's the same old shit. Yes, and it's boring. So, I think that that's such an interesting parallel to this movie in particular. Just fans' reaction to it being so outside the box for for a Star Wars film. Yeah, I think that. Um, I guess I can say my piece about what I think about this concept in terms of like the parallel between bands and and. Uh, in films and Star Wars in particular, just hearing some of the things 
obviously not totally on topic because I'm thinking of some reactions to Rise of Skywalker, but the same stuff happens in obviously the, the reactions for The Last Jedi. I think what happens, whether it be a longtime fan of a band that's put out a bunch of records or people that have been fans of something like Star Wars for like literally their entire lives, they get to a point where they are invested so ridiculously deeply and so emotionally that even though if you ask them, they would say they want to like it. I think they are literally incapable of liking anything that they are shown, no matter what, whether it be the band's new album or whether it be the new Star Wars movie, because they are so invested in what they have known, what they've just been so emotionally into their entire lives that they can't like it. It doesn't matter what would, would be on the screen. All the stuff that they complain about in The Last Jedi, if it were the exact opposite, they would be complaining about it being the exact opposite or they would find other things. I think that as much as they want to like it, they actually can't. And they would never say that because I don't think they realize that. I th they do want to like it. I just don't think that they can. I totally agree with that. I think part of that is like a legitimate sort of psychological phenomenon. Absolutely. And part of it is just the nature of being an adult and the way nostalgia works in our brains. Absolutely. And we hear the noise now so much more. I keep bringing this up, but I would love to know what an Empire Strikes Back release with Twitter and Instagram. Oh, God damn it. Would have been like. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. The crazy thing about this, too, is like I've actually noticed myself doing this. Like I have a very, 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 very like favorite band of mine. And the newest record that they put out, I listened to it. And I, I sense myself doing with it. I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm sitting there listening to it and I'm like, I, don't know, I wish they would have done this or that or that. And I think about it then a second later, I'm like, if this were any other band, I would be like, this fucking rips. But because it's this particular band that I have this particular set of standards for, it's just somehow letting me down. And I'm, I know that it's happening in the moment and I'm still, it's still happening anyways. Right. Sucks, man. And another thing I was going to say that I think is overwhelmingly common in the critical reviews that we all, by the way, without talking about the critical reviews, touched on this multiple times when talking about all the stuff we loved about the movie is the visual aspect. Most of the reviews you read talk about how stunning the film was from, from a visual standpoint. And I think that that's an accurate review of the film. There were so many different moments in that, in that movie that were just stunning, whether it's Snoke's ship splitting in half or the entire makeup of Crate that we've talked about just there's a lot of that yeah and i don't think your average star wars fan that's determined not to like something like you're talking about is going to step back and enjoy the visual right well i would so. say i don't think they're determined not to like it i just think they can't like it i think if you ask them they would say i absolutely want to like it i just don't think that they are able to yeah man i just yeah, I wish everyone myself included because i'm guilty all the time of the same thing even though i'll sit here and try to you know, this discussion can probably come off as kind of like holier than now. Like, well, I don't, but I do it all the time. I just wish that it was like every aspect of my life, I was able to appreciate the visuals, right? Yes. you know, and not get angry about the dialogue, yeah. for example, which I was able to do luckily for this film, I'd be living probably a bit happier life. Or at the very, very most default level, just be happy that a band or a movie or a story that you like has a new piece of content for you. Fucking right. A. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so we can all agree that the gripe over Luke's arc, we agree with the critics on, we disagree with the majority of the haters, right? I think that is a, that's a real loud choice that critics talk about, and it's also a real loud choice that fans talk about. Totally fine with Luke's story arc. Sweet. 100%. All right, next big thing, and this is like the gnarliest, the fucking ugliest stain on Star Wars fandom, is 
poor fucking Kelly Marie Tran's experience with toxic fandom and the Rose character. It's unbelievable, dude. It's fucking disgraceful. It's unbelievable. You guys are going to have to fill me in. So, I mean, there's been so much hate for the character of Rose, not just for the character, but for the fucking actor who portrayed it, that this girl ended up fully leaving social media because it was so bad. It's vile, dude. It was like terrible, violent, racial, racially driven attacks on her as a person. At the time when it was happening, I mean, obviously these kind of tweets and stuff were like public. You know, they were getting posted in news stories and stuff. Some of the things that people were saying. And I just like, that's just, come on, man. It's a sci-fi fantasy. We're having fun doing this thing, but it doesn't define me, you know? I, I just don't understand how you could let something like that do that to you as a person. I don't know. Even if it does define you, well, I, I would argue that it kind of defines us dudes. Yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> but, that's completely wrong what I just said. <laughs> my entire right arm has characters from the film inked inside of it for the rest of my life. Right. You know what I mean, though? Right. The bigger point is, even if it does define you, that I would hope would give one the capacity to think about the fact that there are people in these movies now who maybe feel exactly the same as we other fans do. So to like completely shit on them to the point where they, they have to like go into isolation because of their performance in Star Wars. Imagine what that feels like when you're like, oh my God, holy fuck, I'm in Star Wars. My life is complete. I'm in Star Wars. And then you get cyber bullied into depression and isolation. What the fuck? I know it's unbelievable. And it's funny because her character and her specific thing, you know, Ryan's joke about, I wish I could put my fist through this whole entire lousy town or whatever it is. Lousy, beautiful town. This lousy, beautiful town. I see that and, and cringe, but I don't cringe because her, I'm not cringing because, because an Asian actor is playing a a female role. I mean, the stuff was so disturbing what was upsetting people my point in this is it had nothing to do with her character in star wars right. anymore which is the only it, thing which is what i didn't like about it i didn't like the line and i didn't to be honest, i didn't like her character that's it i just didn't like the storytelling and the dialogue from that character right I, yeah and that's, so, and that's, so the, the question that's is have you ever left a movie where you didn't like someone's performance and thought you know what i'm gonna do i am gonna go on my phone yeah. i'm gonna find that person and I'm going to tell them what I think, not only about them as a person, but about their race and their family and their future. I mean, just like, what is fucking... I'm going to troll them so hard that they're going to want to fucking commit suicide. What's fucking wrong with people? You yeah. know what it is? It's welcome to 2020. Yeah, they've always been there, though. They, they just, have, they but now they have the platform now. for it. Yeah, it sucks. And it sucks. So, like, the stuff that we can agree on is, I, I think all three of us probably think, like, maybe that character was unnecessary for the story. I agree. But all these knuckle-dragging fucking caveman motherfuckers that can't accept the idea of a non-white dude being the focus of the story... Is that what their issues were? ...are the problem. People yes. were complaining yeah. that she was that was an Asian woman as opposed to like well, a right. white... Right, well, well, it was the general thing basically saying that, you know, the only reason... That she was written into the film oh, was so that he could put a minority some female or whatever role yeah. into yeah. the. And it's just ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous. Right, yeah. the affirmative action argument for fucking stupid. Right, because like, by the way, the fuck if that character would have been a white male, I would have the exact same problem with it because it's yeah. the lines and the story choice of yeah. that entire arc to me was just not. It, it wasn't. It didn't matter. Right, and that you know, you know what? That's not her fault. She didn't. Of course, she, it's not. She didn't right, write exactly. the part, no. and she didn't decide to cast herself in the role. 
Correct. She went in and killed the audition and they said, that's our girl. Great. And they cast her and she, with the material she was given, she played the role incredibly well. Sure. She played a nerdy tech savvy ship technician as well as you could play a, a nerdy sci-fi ship technician. I mean, what? Yeah. Right. And she was given really shitty dialogue and, and a really shitty major scene. Now I feel bad for making that joke earlier because I didn't know any of this stuff about her getting trolled online. It's all good. You made a joke about the line. You didn't make a joke about the, Kelly McTrain. The joke was 100% about the line. Right. But it was so like reassuring, heartwarming to see the standing ovation that she got at Star Wars Celebration 2019. I mean, she was just up there like in tears of happiness, That's like great. seeing all the support she got there. So It goes to show you how many how, how much of what we're talking about from a negative standpoint are like people who don't come outside of that comfort zone they have typing that shit for sure yeah they're not in that room at star wars celebration and if they are they feel really shitty <laughs> when everyone stands up for her when she comes out because she deserved that yeah because at the end of the day she withstood it all and she came out the other side and she was still proud to be there she still showed up for the next film and she still you know she she did what she had to do and i think that it's to be commended because it was really bad. It was really, really gnarly. And it, it was shameful as like fans of Star Wars that there are other fans that would that would do that. It's insane. It's so shitty. That leads us to the whole Cantobite scene. Yep. Which most people hate. Which that's why I said, by the way, she was given like a not just shitty dialogue, but kind of a shitty a, scene. A shitty yeah. story arc. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Or not the scene, like the whole like parallel. The arc. Yes. I don't think that character interaction with Finn and that whole side story was necessary either. But... There was some really cool shit in that. And again, Ryan Johnson did his homework. There's some really cool little Easter eggs. And I think it was cool. It's just um, execution. Yep. Again, people don't like, they don't see what they really don't like. They're just popping off at the mouth about whatever they can think of to insult somebody rather than actually understanding. Maybe this is why I don't actually like the scene. And there's diarrhea out the fucking mouth. Also, put yourself in your eight-year-old shoes. Yep. Would that scene have bothered you at all? No. Absolutely not. You would have thought it was the coolest thing ever. Just like the rest of the movie is what I'm saying. The rest of any Star Wars movie. You would have been completely blown away by the whole sequence because it's action-packed and it's all, it's all those things. We cannot like it. It's okay. Like we're allowed to, under, to look at that and say and, – and I, I totally – I just compare it to Endor, man. Like watching Return of the Jedi now, maybe it's just me out of the three of us, but I don't care for the choice to – put the teddy bears in the movie. Now, when I was six years old, I love those fucking bears. Yeah. But like now the concept of them throwing rocks at an ATST is like, it looks as ridiculous as it looks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just yeah, same. I, I get it now as well. And so, so I think that if you put yourself in, in the mind of a child watching the last Jedi, which you have to remind yourself, these films are made for children. It wouldn't have the effect it has on us as adults. That's all I'm trying to say. And at the end of the day, the whole arc love it or hate it, led to that kid grabbing that broomstick with the force. Yes, and obviously that's, yeah. clearly that was the point of that and super special, very, very important moment. And I, my thought is that they could have gotten to that moment in any number of other ways. They could have shown that any number of other ways. And for me, um, yep. again, like I said before, I didn't like it, but it didn't lessen my enjoyment of the film. It, it I didn't rage about it. But the thing I didn't like about it is that it felt... It felt out of place in the movie for me. It's not so much that totally it agree. was uh, it was because it felt childish. It just, based on the feeling and the vibe from the rest of the film, it just didn't fit 
for me. And I think this is probably might sound a little bit bad, but I feel like it felt very prequel-ish to me in a bad yeah. way. Mm-hmm. It felt very plasticky and it felt very forced childish. And I agree with the that. rest of the movie didn't feel like that at all. So it just stood out. Yeah. And I thought that there's just there were better ways they could have gone about the, you know, showing the 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 little kid with the force. And that combined with the fact that the whole arc with Rose and Finn, I think, just literally didn't serve really any lasting purpose to the story. Easily my main gripe is with that whole scene. And again, I still like the movie. Yeah. It didn't yeah. it didn't lessen my enjoyment of the movie. That's just my main issue. Let's sorry, I'm ahead of it. Let's dog ear that that page yep. and come back to it in gripes. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I've got shit to say as well. Uh, I guess the next big thing is Snoke's death. A lot of people were like, What the fuck? You're just gonna kill the villain now? Like, what was the point of whole that whole thing? Uh, we now know, like, in the end, that there were bigger plans. That was fine. I was a little what the fuck, but I also thought it was badass. But ultimately, like, it's just cool misdirection and mystery. Like, oh, shit, this is completely, like, out of left field. But, of course, everybody gets on the internet and complains, so. I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, and I think we talked about that a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, I brought up, I've already seen the story. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm good. I was conflicted in all the right, in my opinion, right ways. As in, I was like, holy shit, what the fuck? Not expected at all. I'm interested to know, again, less about like where he was going to go, but more about where he came from. And, but his death was badass. So the whole thing about it, super, like you said, misdirection, all those feelings I was feeling at the same time, but I had no problem with it. It was just like, holy shit, like a bunch of conflicting emotions at the same time because it was unexpected. Right. And then that leads right into the reveal. I'm using air quotes right here. Reveal. Quote reveal. That Ray is no one. Everybody lost their shit over that. Really? I personally would have been cool with it. Fans did, yeah. People lost their shit in yeah, what way? Fan- fans kind of, I think, took it literally. That the script was literally telling us that her parents were no one. I didn't believe that for a second. Me, me neither. How could anyone have actually thought that was the truth? It, I, don't I, I don't I don't understand. So, But you know what, though? It's interesting. Now that The Rise of Skywalker is out, it's like 50-50. Half of the fans, I don't know, supposedly half of the fans really wanted her to actually be no one to break away from this, like this idea that like the only people who can really use the force and really kick ass in the, the galaxy are Skywalkers and Palpatines right. and Kenobis. You know what I mean? And who is that little kid on the planet on the Cantobite? I get it. Like er- everything about the last Jedi sets up the idea that anyone can be a force user. Ultimately, it's just the Jedi who hone those skills and become what we know as force wielders. Right. And I totally back that. I also think that this story is about the most powerful families in the galaxy warring. That's what this saga is about. Okay, so either way, I think it's okay. I don't think it's like a, a, a thing to like actually fight over. But people are just losing their shit about it. Like, what the fuck? Like, I wanted her to be a Kenobi. I wanted her to be this. Um, I think that that's another good example of trying to watch these films with kind of the the mind of a child, if you can. Or at least an open because mind. that would be that mind though you know yeah when i was a kid and i was growing up on star wars and i was you know imagining and and like playing star wars at my house all day every day after school you know as a a little kid i i wasn't watching those movies trying to like decide what i thought was the right choice of the screenwriters for my characters that i loved maybe it's hard to do i don't know but like if you can just sort of let it be that and watch it and enjoy the mythology of it all i don't know And I think that comes back to what I was saying earlier about how people are just, they're so invested in it that they're not capable of doing that. But what's funny about that, though, is that some people are super emotionally invested in it. I'm pretty sure the three of us are super emotionally invested in it. And somehow we are capable of doing that. So I think it actually says 
also some about just who the people are and their various mental states and their various states of openness of mind, et cetera. Like, for example, the idea of, I guess you were saying that fans were kind of 50-50 split between wanting her to truly be nobody and wanting her to actually be what she was. For me, let's say the story ended up with her being truly nobody. Let's say the story ended up with her legit going to the dark side. I would have been fine with any of those outcomes because I know that they would have told the story in like a compelling and entertaining way. And even if it was like a super, super unexpected choice, it would have been awesome. And I would have been totally fine with it. There's so much stuff in the world that all this collective empowered, I got to, I got to use my voice to speak up how I feel people could use that energy for. Yeah. Yep. Instead of not being happy with a choice that, a director of a film made. I would have been fine if the White Walkers won in Game of Thrones too. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. The Stephen King ending, it would have been awesome. Yeah, agreed. Here's one that we're going to agree with partially. Again, it's more about execution. The Carrie Poppins moment, <laughs> as it's called now. Carrie Poppins. If you're a fan, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. So many people were bummed at the idea of Leia using the Force and surviving this blast out into space and all this shit. They're just like on all levels, just so fucking up in arms about it. I think it's all good. I think turns out you actually can survive in space for a minute. Exactly. Uh, you don't just explode like total recall. Like the, you know, the science is there. It's just execution, the execution execution. And it would have been a really simple fix too. It's, it was just those couple of seconds where she just looked like Mary fucking Poppins. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They could it's have just totally, done that a little differently, but nothing about the concept bothered me at all. Totally execution because the science is there. Also, even if it wasn't, this is a fucking sci-fi movie. Yeah, fantasy, dude. Fantasy movie. Jesus. Ultimately. And I hate to keep beating this home, but if I was 10 years old and I was in the movie theater and it wouldn't have bothered me if at all. If you were all. a little girl, you would come out of there being super fucking inspired by Princess Leia. Yeah. Do you want me to be a little girl? Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, that bother you, Adam? I, Did that scene bother you? Just her posture and the like. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. The um, bare bones execution. Yeah. I think we've really kind of, we've, we got it. Those, we've, we've, those are the big ones. We've kind of covered like the idea that critics thought that it was a, a nice departure from your expected installment in the Skywalker saga and the visuals and some of the choices. And then the fans were just really split over those choices being made. And I like that, you know, we can just kind of watch the movie and calmly discuss the things we felt good about and things we felt bad about, which I feel like we're hanging on the negative for too long, but we got to go into disturbances in the force. Let's do it. And let's try to keep it brief because we've said, we've said a lot of this shit already. So I agree. I think we've covered most of this and I, and I have like notes here, like with a couple that I know, actually one, I have, I have only one thing on that, that we haven't kind of already covered that I would have saved for my gripes. All right. So let's move on in officially to disturbances in the force. Here we go. There is a great disturbance in the force. I have felt it. Ryan Key, kick it off. So one thing, it plays into the whole Canto Bite thing and the code breaking. If I had gotten what I wanted, which I'm okay with the fact that I didn't get what I wanted, but if I had a bit more of a classic Star Wars breaking into the ship and going undercover and sort of trying to find their way to the to the tracking device and all like I that would have been the Rose Finn storyline executed well. Right. You know, she's like a tech, you know, a technician. She's a a former stormtrooper. He's a former stormtrooper. That's why she was written. 
into the story. That's why they were paired up. That's what was supposed to be accomplished and why their specific talents in the story were what they were. So I would have preferred a more New Hope style. We're sneaking onto the Death Star, you know, kind of thing. But even if they still fail, we didn't get that. Even if they fail. But that would have, I think, been a better choice than Canto Bite. But whatever. It's done. It is what it is. So playing into the Canto Bite thing was the code breaking story. And especially now that The Rise of Skywalker is out, I just. The choice that was made for Maz Kanata's character really bums me out. The whole like hologram, just telegraphing the whole thing. Like you have to go find this thing and I'm telling you exactly where it is because he's going to have this thing on his, you know, on his lapel. And I'm in some battle that you're never going to find out about. Yeah. The battle with the floating camera tech thing. It just that whole thing. It felt like the end of the Matrix when the architect just told you everything. Yeah, just dude, it was it was so telegraphed to me and it felt more like one of those little interlude clips in a video game absolutely yeah yeah for absolutely. sure absolutely and here's what you have to do next and then right. and now you know because because look i will i will argue as a fan for all the things i think jj abrams did great and all the things that ryan johnson did great and all the things they both did wrong i'm, I'm happy to have all those discussions because i just want to be a fan and enjoy the films right but one thing i think that for for all the sweeping epic visuals that I think maybe Ryan Johnson did a little better job than JJ did in either film. JJ's use of Maz in the rise of Skywalker was what it should have been. She was this wise old sage that has seen everyone in the galaxy come and go for a thousand years. That was her role. And she played that role in the force awakens. She was the scene in the basement with, with Ray. I mean, that was, that was her thing to me. And then t- so just all of a sudden have her like, I'm back in the fray and I'm fighting this random trade dispute or whatever she called it. It just it just did not compute to me. And I'm not even going to give you any other gripes because we've talked about a lot. And that was the one that was one thing. And it plays into such a big sweeping one that we've already talked about, which is just sort of the, the Canto bite sequence and the code breaking and all that stuff. Just not well executed. Agreed. Ryan Mendez. My the only thing I will say because I've already said my piece as well. Same thing about Canto Bite, um, but just to expand on that a tiny bit is that I felt like what a waste of a talent in Benicio del Toro. Like his he is amazing and his character could have been awesome and it just didn't. Maybe it was just because that whole storyline and the whole scene just didn't work. You're not wrong. So he didn't work, but like he could have worked. Like think about how awesome that would have been if he showed up for like you know. 12 to 15 minutes on screen and was just how awesome he normally is. But he was just thrown into a storyline that was kind of pointless. Really. Yeah. And, and so that's just, that was a bummer to me. Uh, and that's really it. Other than the things I've already said. I don't disagree again. I do want to talk a little bit more about the dialogue issues that we have and try to like clarify our points. I, I feel like you guys probably won't disagree with anything I'm saying here how a lot of the dialogue doesn't feel like Star Wars. And to me, that has, has as much to do with the dialogue writing skill, or I don't want to say lack thereof, but like um, as compared to someone like Lawrence Kasdan, it's not quite on that level, right? It, little things like linguistic style, like there's a very classical kind of more formal style to the way people speak, at least in this Skywalker saga, that is not present in this movie. And it's not, it's not the fact that it's not there that bugs me. If this was the new trilogy that Ryan Johnson is making and it was a totally different dialogue style, cool, different time, different place, whatever. 
But the fact that this story literally picks up the minute that the prior one ends and these characters that we've known for 40 years and some that we've known for a few now, all of a sudden speak differently. Yep. It took me out of the movie right away. Yeah, I get that. Their style of dialogue is much more modern and kind of like casual, just not as formal. It's just a different style. And I being such like an obsessive compulsive grammar nerd, even though I talk like an asshole half the time, I'm so aware of this shit. So it just like took me out right away. And I I watched this like long YouTube video about like the three different kinds of viewers that there are and like what things people get hung up on and how people literally experience things differently. It's a whole psychological kind of phenomenon. I know that that's what happened to me. But right away when I heard Ray and Luke's dialogue, I was like, this is weird. These aren't the same people. Right. I'm like the wife in Men in Black that's like, he looked like Egger, but it wasn't Egger. It was an, he was in an Egger suit. Egger suit. You know what I mean? I do. I, th- I think Luke's dialogue for sure is, is something to be dissected, you know, to look at and go like, yeah, what? That doesn't sound, I mean, because it doesn't mean it doesn't sound like him because he's taken this path of no, disconnected yeah, from the that, force. That's not it at all. Because that's what people would say. Like his, yeah. his whole thing. No, no, his journey could have been, his journey was right. That's what I keep saying. That the story was right. Right. But the words that were coming out of their mouths just didn't fit. These specific word choices, the specific grammatical, linguistic, stylistic, just the stuff that was written d- didn't match. And I think it's because Ryan Johnson, as talented as he is as a writer, I don't know if he had, I don't know, I don't want to say shit about his education or this or that, but like whatever J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas learned as writers and put on paper is different. And it matters when you're talking about the same characters, literally this, the next minute. You know? Yeah, agreed. I just have like a few lines written down here. Luke saying something like the most unfindable place in the galaxy. Yeah. What is that? It's like a, <laughs> just the most unfindable place is like a juvenile unskilled way to say that there's a more elegant way to say that, that Kazan or somebody would have written. This is little nitpicky shit. People are going to be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? But saying I'll never train another generation of Jedi. It's kind of like weird word choice. Mm-hmm. Like he might say, I'll never train another Jedi. There, there will not be another generation of Jedi by my teaching, whatever, something just like, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like that sentence. When did he deliver that line again? Uh, in the tree in the cave. Was that before anything came out about what happened with him and Ben? I think so. The only reason I say that is because it could, I'm, maybe I'm just being an apologist here, but like if you say something about training a generation of Jedi, then it's somewhat foreshadowing the information you're going to learn later about the fact that he was training other generations of Jedi. Right, but he could it say the same thing. seem if you didn't know. It's just the way he I know, said it. I know, I know. I'm just saying the fact, I mean, I think the idea of him referencing training other Jedi or training a generation of them does make sense when you find out what well, happened later. It makes later, sense. But Again, it's just like. The word choice, It's yes. an unskilled writing yeah of yeah, that idea right there's i haven't exactly nailed down like what the uh it's like a verb tense thing using the like ing form of a verb more often than like the more familiar like um th- there are lines in a new hope and and the other two from the original trilogy that like the actors always kind of laughed about like you could write the stuff but you can't say it right but it has that formal kind of classical vibe Luke's saying something to Vader like, there's still good on you. You've only forgotten, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost Shakespearean. It's, too, it's trying to be just too contemporary, too, too chilled, too laid back. You don't hear that same kind of like proper verb conjugation. I know this is fucking nerdy, but like it's just the way people used to talk. And now all of a sudden they don't. It's weird. Right. Agreed. Even just like certain word choice. Like, did you try to murder him? Like, no one would say that. Did you try to kill him? Right. 
this is not going to turn out the way you think. That's just like clumsy. It's too many fucking words. It should be, this will not go the way you think. Just fewer words. It's just smoother. It's more, it's just slightly more eloquent, you know? Yeah, dude. I, I think, I think that it's clear. And I think the overall kind of arc of, of this discussion about what, what worked and what didn't. He ignites it and kills his true enemy. No, he would say he strikes down his true enemy. That's fucking Star Wars language. That You know what I mean? Right. You don't say kills. You don't say, yeah. did you try to murder him? That's like yeah, CSI yeah. Miami. Well, it's not exactly. crime scene. Yeah. Scene of the crime. Crime yeah. scene, scene of the crime. Well said. But I think, you know, all that kind of leads into like final thoughts of, you know, the film as a whole. Hold on. I, I got to say one thing. And the, again, this is like my take on it. You probably felt the same thing. It's a different take on something that is a good story choice, but poor execution. Luke's lightsaber toss. When he threw it behind him. Yeah, drop it on the ground. Yeah. Throw it down to the ground, whatever. Just take it, walk away, and just say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say no. Yes, yep, right. But to toss it over your shoulder, like, I just wanted to hear a with With the, like, yeah. camera zooming Luke, in on him and the quick, like, throw. Return of the Jedi, Luke, in all black, would have walked by her with it and, like, softly returned it to her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or threw it to his side, like, when he wouldn't kill Vader, you know, he... No. Yeah, he just kind of like dropped it by his side. Yeah, yeah. It's just like stylistic choices. And I think there's a lot of stuff like that where Ryan Johnson, while he has this eye for these big, you know, sprawling kind of like landscape shots and composition is like, it's like concept art come alive kind of thing. That's beautiful. Right, right. I think blocking and camera movements, editing, all that kind of stuff when it comes to like the close quarter stuff. I don't think he has the same eye that like Abrams and even Lucas had. Although Lucas's shit, it's kind of like, kind of static still like luke looks kind of slouchy the whole time right like he's sitting there and even like the choices of like when the training starts it's like it's sunrise it's all nice and shit like he's telling that story and it's like the vibe's kind of off but the dialogue in the story was off yeah it was just all let's be honest mark hamill he doesn't look badass right (laughs) so like to make him look badass to like get him in these stances and like get the dude choreographed in a way where he looks sweet takes a certain kind of eye and there's like the moment when he first walks out in front of that line of walkers and he's facing off with Kylo Ren. He kind of looks old and kind of crotchety, like, here we go, you ready for my lightsaber? Like, <laughs> Also, actually, that that's the precisely the time of one of my least favorite moments is after they just gun the shit out of him and yeah, he dusts dust the shoulder off. Dust the shoulder off. Yeah. It's just like, come on, it's so out of character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just wouldn't, that's... He that's, just wouldn't yeah. have done that. He wouldn't have done that. No. I mean, who knows? Maybe him in hiding for 40 years. But that's why generally, though, just that that's the thing is moving the story forward from a broad picture that the film was amazing. Right. But in, in its finite detail, it's got a lot of issues. There is a there is a thing. And we'll, we'll put the link to this video in the show notes. The video is a little harsher than like the way I feel about it. But there's a thing with the humor or the attempt at humor in this movie, I think goes back to like writing. And I don't want to say that Ryan Johnson isn't funny, but Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams are fucking funny, witty dudes. And they write humor really well. They write yeah. humor for these characters in ways that, like, feels natural, feels... It doesn't take you out of the moment. You know, it doesn't take you out of the movie. But this movie starts with a huge example of a theme throughout the thing, which is this term that I learned in this YouTube video, bathos. Has anyone heard this term? No. It's humor that's out of place, that can be used as, like... Like, think about in... um at the end of Django when he shoots the chick and she just like flies out the fucking door. Right. That's bathos. And like that fits Tarantino's style. Yeah. But there's some of that in here that's unintentional. Like it works when it's intentional. The Hux thing with the Verizon joke, essentially. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It straight up was the Verizon joke. Yeah, it just took me straight out. Like, I think the hugs thing is actually kind of fucking funny that he keeps calling him hugs instead of hucks. Yeah. But, like, the tone of it just, like, it took me out. Like, and it just completely neutered hucks as, like, a villain right out of the gate. Because he was so yeah. fucking menacing. Like, you talked about his address to the, the crowd. Hitler style was so sweet. Yeah. And then it's just like, no, he's a joke now. And then a lot of the shit just, like, falls flat. Like the the rock taking out the cart of those little island keepers on Octo. Yep. Yoda laughing and stomping, you know, about burning down the tree. The Yoda laugh was just not Un- unnecessary. Wasn't the one. The iron gag, the fucking spaceballs, uh, appliance wars, or whatever the fuck. The, right. the, the old video. Iron, the ironing the uniforms. Yeah, where like it was like a ship coming down. Yeah. A lot of stuff like that that would be funny if it was like spaceballs, a parody. But it's not. We're in the actual movie, so great film, great film though. Wonderful. What a film. Like they're they're riding the horse things on Canto Bite and Finn says, Stop enjoying this. I don't know if you remember that line, but it's just like Yeah. 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 God, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be well, negative. Isn't that this segment? It is, but All right. I but I think we have we I'm feeling by the way, I'm feeling like we're living in this negative headspace now. I gotta I gotta get out of it, dude. All right, let's do it. I'm sorry. It. My bad. But I think overall we pulled out, you know, a lot of the good in this film and the fact that the force drove it and Kylo Ren and Ray drove it, you know, the visuals were stunning and there was a lot of Star Wars porn. That's going to be my line, by the way, Star Wars porn. We all still love these films. We enjoyed this. We can hate on stuff that bothers us, but we're not going to go down the, the dark path like those fucking internet no. trolls. Yeah, we're certainly not going to make anyone delete their social media. Right. Mendez, do you agree or do you totally disagree and are you secretly a troll? I'm so not a troll. Uh <laughs> No, I mean I, I I'll troll the shit out of people sometimes when the times right, but not not like <laughs> not like that, <laughs> not like to make someone delete their account. Um, but no, I completely agree with everything. There's a reason why uh, we all had a had a bet going into uh, Force Awakens. Correct. All right, let's move on. You feel good about that? I feel good about it. Intercepted transitions. We still can't really dive into that yet because we are still kind of building the listener base through Patreon, which is where we're going to take all these fan and listener submitted content. Correct. Correct. The only questions we've had so far is when are you releasing the podcast, which is answered if you're listening. So (laughs) moving on, Test Bay 94, what do you say? Yeah, let's do it, man. Lightning round. Mendez, this is for you. Okay. We're not going to answer ourselves. This is just for you as our guest. Okay. So Boba Fett or Mandalorian, either or. Uh, I've only watched the first four episodes of The Mandalorian, so should I still answer anyways? Characters here, Boba Fett or Mandalorian. Oh, I see what you're saying. The actual, just the Mandalorian. The actual Mandalorian. The character. Yeah. Jeez. Boba. Going old school. I yep. like it. Yep. I like old school it. Boba. Yep. Favorite blaster in the Star Wars universe. Oh, geez. Um, Hans. Not okay. Just like yeah. that. What? Chewie's crossbow, dude. Well, yeah, but just Hans OG. Just, I don't know. There's something special about it. A Han Solo DL44. There you go. It does. It has, absolutely has the best blaster sound. Absolutely. For sure. Undeniable. Classic fucking cowboy sidearm. Do you have a would you rather for him? I don't. Give him the old school. Give him the, uh, the Harrison Ford. Okay. So this is the one that we did on the first episode. All right. But we haven't had, gotten to try it out on a, on a real person yet. <laughs> yeah. So this is tough because they're both cool, but they both suck. Okay. The perfect hallmark of a would you rather. Yeah. So would you rather have had the opportunity to meet Carrie Fisher while she was alive? You ran into her, but she told you to fuck off. It was not a good interaction, but you met her. Or you get to ride like on a decent, you know, let's call it like a two hour flight. Like, you know, no, all the way to NorCal to San Diego 
with Harrison Ford in his plane, fearing for your life the whole time because he likes to not land them well. But you're in the plane with him, but you're not allowed to ask him anything about Indiana Jones or Han Solo. So your life's in danger. Um, how old is Carrie Fisher? How old is Carrie Fisher in this? Would you rather you you get to pick? You choose. It could be anything your heart desires because it's the scenario you build in your mind. I would, I mean, I'd go with meeting a young Carrie Fisher and being treated like shit by her. My man. All right. Fully support that decision. Yeah. Sorry, Carrie. Um, before we let you go, Mr. Mendez, you know, you were in a band for a long time called Yellow Card. <laughs> yeah. A really long time. And Yellow Card is not a band any longer. So you're... Um, expanding your horizons professionally and personally in post yellow card life. What, uh, what are you getting after these days? Um, I am doing, still doing music, although in a different way, a couple different ways. Um, I'm focusing a lot on doing, um, like post-production stuff, doing some, uh, mixing. And, uh, if you're actually interested, you can check out my new website. It's, um, www.ryanmendezmusic.com. If you're interested in hiring someone to mix something for you. I'll do it for you. Hey, I've hired you. You sure have. You kill it, man. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. I would um, hire you. Oh, dude, you should totally hire me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, story of the year, new record. You're kind of on the hook there now. There you go. <laughs> and then I'm also uh, doing some stuff with you, actually. That's uh, true. We are doing actually some multiple things. We're doing, uh, we're going to score a film. Shit, yeah. We are scoring a movie. Yeah, an, uh, an independent film that's going to be super, super rad uh, doing that soon. And then we're also getting into making uh, trailers for films, which are, uh, that I've recently learned, not the same thing as scoring them, uh, but super, super fun and interesting as we both love films been been a lot of uh, a lot of fun a lot of good learning and i think um a really interesting potential future for us so between those things that's kind of what i'm doing uh when the uh when the band was ending all fans were all asking me what i was going to do and i was like i'm only going to do photography because that's what i was doing at the time and now i'm doing no photography and i'm only doing music stuff just go with the flow man yep exactly do it be an artist do shit yeah right on man so ryan mendez music.com everybody if you uh, have a project you want to get some tasty mixes on yeah, Adam. You can contact <laughs> you can contact him <laughs> through the website. Cool. Um, well, dude, thank you so much for coming and hanging with us um, and taking apart this film, which was challenging. It, it was tough to balance the dark and the light, you know, um, in this movie. So thanks for going on the journey with I us. I appreciate but. you guys having me, um, and it's actually making me really want to talk about Rise of Skywalker. But I know you guys are going to do that soon. Uh, I'm looking forward to your episode about it just because talking about this made me really want to talk about that. We have um, bi-weekly episodes called One Quarter Portion, and we could just pop you back on to get a little, like, just you throw us a little of your Rise of Skywalker. Gladly. Yeah, right on. Dope. Ryan Mendez, everybody. All right, let's uh, ride up to the Tashi Station and... I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Come on, let's go. Tell me about some new shit you found. What's, uh... What's new and cool in your world? I have a good one. I have a good one. I, um, I've had a lot of trouble at my uh, new home in Los Angeles, California, with the Wi-Fi. Major first world problem, by the way. So I'm not complaining. I just I was having trouble figuring out what was going on with like all the smart home devices and stuff. It just there was something going on with the switching between the the um the bands on my on my router. I had like this super badass gaming router, but it just it wasn't really functioning properly. So anyways, I kind of did the research, read the reviews. Um, so I went and I got the new version of the Google Nest Wi-Fi thing with the little, you know, it comes with the kind of like satellite 
extenders and you just turn it on, go on the app. It sets itself up. It's super intuitive, super easy. And everything is ripping in my house now. So my trip to Tashi Station this week is, is going to be the Google Nest Wi-Fi. That's the, that's the tech I'm getting down on right now. Ripping and streaming all winter long. Highly recommend, honestly, if you're having, if you, if you're in a situation where you need to solve that problem, it's not that expensive and it really fixed all of my Wi-Fi problems. Dope. How about you, sir? I got at Tatashi Station this new Rodecaster Pro. It's a piece of hardware. Since this is not a video podcast, you can't see it. It's a little mixer slash uh, recorder slash audio interface for podcasting specifically. It's got, uh, I guess, seven, eight channels altogether. So you can plug in four mics. You can take a call on this. So we brought Ryan Mendez in via FaceTime into this Rodecaster Pro. It's going straight into this DAW here. It's also got little uh, sort of like a sound bank for queuing up samples and shit. So you've got intro music, you've got all the segment audio that you're hearing. It's all triggered here. It's fucking, it's just like this awesome, well-built little all-in-one thing. I'm running it into Logic, but you can also just record straight to a micro SD card, which a lot of people do. So if you're podcasting like on the go, or you just don't want to fuck with a computer setup and all that, it's all-in-one. It's like solid hardware, super easy to use. I'm just using the presets for all the, the sound of, of the voice here, the compression, the, the EQ, all that shit. It's fucking awesome. Simplifies everything. Going to make our life have it, so. a lot easier here at Thank the Maker. For sure. Shout out to uh, the folks at Sweetwater for overnighting this. And thank you, Ryan Key, for making it happen. Yeah, Sweetwater. Anthony. Anthony. Dope. All right. Play us out. Quote of the week. I love this quote. It's so relevant to this. This is a quote from a dude you guys probably know. His name's George Lucas. The Godfather himself. He said once, there's a social drag on how fast you can take an idea and turn it into a reality that actually is part of the social system. It takes about 10 years for people to kind of get their head around it from the point where it's introduced to the point where they accept it. George Lucas. So relevant to the themes of this film. That was a good one, man. So there it is. Where can we find you on social media, Ryan Key? Uh, I'm everywhere at William Ryan Key. And I'm everywhere at Adam the Skull. So you can check us out, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. Um, and you can also find the podcast on Instagram at thankthemakerpod and on Twitter at thankthemaker1, the number one. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. This has been super fun. Super stoked to talk about the rise of Skywalker in our next full-length episode. You can catch us with one quarter portion next week. Until then, may the force be with you. Yeah.